You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. It's just one loss. Right? So how come it doesn't feel like it? And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I am your host, Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay sad, embarrassing, humiliating, and oh yeah, infuriating. 38-10 road loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. With the loss, Green Bay's first of the 2020 campaign, the Packers are now 4-1 on the season and have dipped to second place in the NFC North. Definitely does not sound as fun saying that. A half game behind the Chicago Bears, whose goddamn magic carpet ride continued Sunday as a result of their 23-16 win over the Carolina Panthers. The Detroit Lions improved to 2-3 on the season with a 34-16 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. That game was, I don't even know where was that game played. Who, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Who cares? I, I, I don't like seeing Minshew lose. I like Gardner Minshew. I hate seeing him lose. I like the whole white trash thing he's got going on. I, I, I was saddened by that result. I was bummed. But they're 2-3 and three now in third place. And the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> if you were looking for a silver lining and a shitty Sunday of football, the Minnesota Vikings brought it to you. Look to Minneapolis, folks. The Vikings are now 1-5, absolutely positively dead last in the NFC North after their 40-23 home loss to the previously winless Atlanta Falcons. That's right, the previously winless Atlanta Falcons went into Minneapolis. The Falcons, who fired their head coach last week, somehow found the resolve to go into Minneapolis and put up a 40-burger on supposed defensive genius Mike Zimmer. And the Minnesota Vikings. So, there was at least that. The Vikings are usually, you know, we needed them to provide us with a laugh. And they did. So, I thank the Vikings. Thank you for that, Minnesota. Thank you. Before we get into the fun, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or very at the very least tolerate. It was a tough day of football, so bear with me here. Twitter, LemsMKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, oldbagofdonuts, uh, olbagofdonuts at gmail.com. For anybody listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars, four stars. We like those the most. Maybe a comment. It's great. Love the show. Uh, and again, we're on Spotify. Search for Packers Talk. Look for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue that sits outside Lambeau Field. It's good stuff. Follow us on Spotify. Every new show gets delivered directly to you. You even have to look for it. It's right there. Bam. Perfect. Twitter was fun Sunday. You know, I noticed something. I don't know how I never noticed this before. Because I've been on Twitter, like what? Almost, what? Over, is it over 10 years? Yeah, over 10 years now. That there's like a real arc to Packers Twitter, at least as far as my timeline goes during a blowout. It's like, you know, things start out okay. People come in today. Packers going to win. Everybody's psyched. That first sign of trouble, it's like, okay, all right, uh, it's not great, but we'll be okay, we'll be okay. Then it's like, things get worse, and you're like, oh, God, is it one of those days? Oh, boy, and then people kind of start snipping at each other a little bit. 
then it's like, oh, now the Packers are really deep in a hole and people are fighting with each other. They're going to come back and win. No, they're not. You're a shitty fan. No, you're a shitty fan. Then it like hits its all-time low and people are like, oh, they suck. And people are like, how can you say they suck? You're really bad. No, I'm not. I'm the best fan. Then something happens and really breaks their back and it's like the wave crashes and everybody's like, oh, okay, they're going to lose. And then like everybody's calm after that. It's like this weird thing that builds to a crescendo and then it like calms and i was saying too the 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 saddest place the saddest packers twitter time is those last like eight minutes of the fourth quarter of a blowout loss when just like everybody said everything they can say everybody's mad no one really wants to tweet anything else where everybody's just ready for the game to be over so no one's tweeting anything that's sad that's i don't know why i didn't notice that till today but i did uh, all right, so let's go. Now that I got that out of the way, thank you for listening to that tangent and for allowing me to go on that tangent. Let's go. Let's, we have to, let's dive in. Let's talk about this Green Bay L, which is definitely not as fun. It's not as fun to say that as it is to say, let's talk about this Green Bay dub. But so it goes. Okay, so usually in this spot, I would begin by talking about a player or, you know, the offense as a whole or the defense as a whole. But And I don't tend to do a lot of play-by-play stuff because, you know, you watch the game. But I I think for this one, I I can't think of anywhere else to start other than the 28-point second quarter put up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Part of the 38 unanswered points they scored to close the game. Great stuff. Uh, It was just... Okay, so the first quarter was great, right? It was fucking great. It was like... Packers go down on their first drive, stalls out, but they get the field goal. They miss that call on Jason Pierre-Paul. He hit Rodgers in the head. I'm pissed off about that. The Packers get a field goal. Okay, we've seen this before. We'll be okay. They go down, then they get the touchdown, 10 nothing. Okay, now I've definitely seen this before. We're off and rolling. You're thinking like, hey, it's going to be a really, it's going to be a damn good day. Look at my, no- I'm looking at my notes here. I literally, at the end of my first quarter notes, have great first quarter for Green Bay, exclamation point. The defense was playing well. They were coming up with three and outs, forcing punts. Right? Great first quarter for Green Bay, exclamation point. Famous last words. I mean, the Packers had the ball. The time of possession, 12.05 to 2.55. You were like, damn, man, how did Tampa, if you're like me, you're like, how did Tampa even go 3-2? I mean, I know I watched them a little bit this year, but like, this doesn't look like a 3-2 team. Looks like the Packers are going to kick the shit out of them. And then, and then, and then. Early second quarter, Packers up 10 nothing. third and 10 Rodgers slings a pass to his left to the sidelines to Devontae Adams. Jamel Dean jumps in front of it, in front, jumps in front of Adams, snags the pass, and runs back in for the score. Only the third pick six of Rodgers' entire career. Can you believe that shit? He's only thrown, he'd only thrown two pick sixes before today, only three total now. That's crazy. But still, a pick six it was. 10-7 Green Bay, 12.42 to go in the half. That was just so uncharacteristic of Aaron Rodgers. He totally stared Devontae Adams down. Even now I'm sitting here. It's almost 11 o'clock. The game's been over for what? Almost five hours now. I still can't believe he stared him down so bad. From the second that ball got in his hands off the snap, he turned his head to the left and locked in on Adams like some sort of -of middle-of-the-road mediocre Big Ten quarterback. Believe me, I went to Minnesota. I know know all about mediocre middle-of-the-road Big Ten quarterbacks. That's exactly what Rodgers looked like. Locked in on Adams. Everybody knew that's where he was going with the ball. I was like, holy shit. A D2 corner saw it, could have seen that coming. 
just so uncharacteristic of Rodgers. He just doesn't do that. You know, he's so good with his head movements. Off, uh, you know, once he once he gets the snap and he drops back, it was, it was crazy. Like even now, I'm, as you can tell, I'm shocked. But okay, he's not Superman. He's human. Everybody makes mistakes. It's still ten seven. You're like me. You're thinking, hey, it's gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. It's fine. We should have known things weren't gonna be. So then the next series comes on, right? Third and the ensuing possession. Third and four at the Green Bay thirty two. Rodgers is picked off again. Although this time it wasn't his fault. Hits Devontae in the worst spot, as I like to say in the show, right in the goddamn hands. Ball pops up. It's picked off. Tampa runs it back inside the five. You know what happened next. First play, Ronald Jones the second. Bursts in for the score. 14-10 Tampa with 11.02 to go. Uh, now, I was pissed off about that. I talked about them, the refs missing the Jason Pierre-Paul uh, smacking Rodgers in the head early in the game. They Tampa appeared to be offsides on that play. I mean, not appeared. They were. People were sending me screenshots. They were offsides. I don't know how the referees missed that. That should have been a free play. You know? So I'm still pissed off about that. But, again, is what it is. You're like, okay, 14-10. Hey, a lot of time to go. A lot of time left in the first half. We're going to be fine. I knew on the ensuing possession now after the second pick, this is when I knew it was going to be one of them days. After Rodgers hits Aaron Jones down the sidelines, I thought Jones caught it, but... Tampa challenged it. It was it was overturned. Ruled not uh, ruled a no catch. I knew Green Bay was probably sunk on this play. Rodgers drops back, has Mercedes Lewis, big dog, wide open down the middle of the field. I mean, wide open. The camera had to pan way the f back just to even get defenders in the shot on the replay. Wide open, like comedically wide open. All he's got to do is drop the ball in the basket like he's done a million times. Missed him. Bad, just a bad pass. Goddamn, you know, missed him. I have goddamn exclamation point on my notes on that. So, yeah, bad. <laughs> you know, it's just, again, very uncharacter- two very uncharacteristic moments from Aaron Rodgers in that three-play sequence I just talked about. You know, and you just, at, at that point, you should have known, we should have known it wasn't going to be, and I did. I kind of thought, I just, I don't have a good feeling about this. And I was proven right. You know, the, obviously the levy broke after that. Tampa Bay goes down the field. Brady to Tyler Johnson. 21-10. Tyler Johnson. Packers could have had him. Didn't need him. Didn't need Tyler Johnson in the fifth round. Had what? Three chances to draft Tyler Johnson? Passed up every time? He's going to be good. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Brady's going to love that kid. He's going to be a good pro. Whatever. So now it's 21-10, Tampa. 4.35 to go in the half. Again, now at this point, I really was like, okay, they're probably not going to win, but... If they want to have any shot after uh, the offense stalls on the following drive and punts, the defense had to get a stop. I'm like, they have to get a stop here. Go into the, ten- the half 21-10. Maybe they have a shot. But at 28-10, I'm like, they have no shot. Well, 28-10 it became. Third and six, the Green Bay 12. Huge play. Brady under pressure. Floats one up to Gronk. Boy, Gronk didn't look washed up today, did he? Hauls it in over Adrian Amos. Another not very good day for Amos. 28-10 Tampa with 102 to go in the half. Just a shocking turn of events. Like, for Tampa to score 28 points that quickly, right? It was like that line in Biodome. God couldn't work at such a fast pace. (laughs) That's how it felt. I was like, I can't believe this shit. How is it 28-10? From it being 10-0 and thinking, you know, we're on our way to another Packers win... To just being over before the first half had even ended. I just, even now, I'm like, holy shit, how did that happen? 
Oh, and for the first half to end, uh, when Ndamukong Sue, one of mine and probably your least favorite players in NFL history, uh, sacking Rodgers by shoving him to the ground, just what a perfect period on just an ass-rotten, rotten-ass first half. It was the worst, you know? It was terrible. So, you know, that, I mean, and obviously who's to blame? I mean, everybody was to blame. It was an entire team collapse. So now I want to talk about, I want to talk about kind of the offense and defense here and touch on what I mentioned in the opening of the show. I said, why does it feel like more than one loss? Because today feels exactly like how you beat the Packers last year, right? Packers, including playoffs, they lost four games. Three of those games, outside of the Thursday nighter against Philly early in the year, three of those games followed a very similar script. Fast, physical, aggressive defenses, front sevens that attack and beat the shit out of Aaron Rodgers, overwhelm the offensive line, right? Rodgers locks in a little too much on Devontae Adams, doesn't get any other receivers involved. Offense doesn't seem very energetic. Uh, defensively, they get bullied up front. The other team kind of pounds away on them. Pass rush isn't great. That was kind of how it went for the Packers in those games last year, right? The three non-Philly losses, losing to the Chargers in LA, the LA lost weekend game, uh, the Sunday night game at San Francisco was a Thanksgiving weekend, and then the NFC Championship game. All followed a similar script, and today followed along with that. So that's why I say it feels like more than one loss because it just feels like God damn, like, this is still how you beat the Green Bay Packers. Like, Tampa's very similar to those teams, to the Chargers and Niners in a lot of ways. And they, the Packers still aren't very good against that type of opponent. It's very frustrating. So, kind of with that as the mission statement, now I want to talk about the offense here. Let's, let's, start, let's start by talking about the offense. First of all, whatever the exact opposite of a game ball is, that goes to the offensive line. They were terrible. Holy shitballs, ass. Terrible ass performance from that offensive line. Even before David Bakhtiari got hurt, and they had Rick Wagner playing left tackle. Holy shit, Rick Wagner. At that point, I said on Twitter, I'm like, they got to get Rodgers out of this game. The, the, the outcome had already long been decided. I'm like, why are you leaving Aaron Rodgers out here with Rick freaking Wagner protecting his blind side? Matt LaFleur is very, the whole organization is really lucky that Rodgers didn't get hurt. They were playing with fire there. They got away with one. Because they should have had him out of the game then. But even when Bakhtiari was in, and luckily, now he left with a chest injury. Luckily, it doesn't sound like that's going to be very serious. He should be okay. Um, I hope I'm not jinxing it, and it's like they're going to have to amputate his chest or something tomorrow. <laughs> I said, no, but Chris said on the show he was going to be all right. They had to amputate the whole upper half of David Bakhtiari's body. Uh, but even with Bakhtiari in there, they were just flat out overwhelmed. So that's where I have to start when I talk about the offense. It just... This was the first real big test for this offensive line, you know? Maybe New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans has a decent front, but this was the first really full-on, aggressive, fast, physical, quick, any other positive you want to throw out there, front seven that Green Bay had faced this year. And Tampa Bay straight up kicked the shit out of the Packers. I mean, they hit Rodgers, what, 13 times in addition to the four sacks? Green Bay was sacked five times in all. Boyle got sacked once, too. But that was, I mean, the Packers coming into today had only given up three sacks in their first four games. That tied them with Kansas City for the, the least amount allowed through the first five weeks. Three sacks. Five today. 
13 QB hit. 13 times Rodgers was hit. That is, I mean, they were just demolished. They just couldn't handle the speed, the aggression. I mean, Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles is a really good defensive coordinator. Really, really smart. And I was I was nervous about that because he's really good. And I had a feeling he was gonna send that he was gonna really get aggressive with Rodgers in terms of blitzes and things like that. And he was. I mean, they really were. Just terrible stuff. Bad performance in the offensive line. And Rodgers, you know, this is just kind of another chapter in the book of how to beat him, you know, talking about kind of like how last year he looked today exactly like he looked in the Chargers game and the two Niners games. Just like, I feel, I, I hope this comes out right. <clears throat> Rodgers, it feels like he gets rattled incredibly. Like, when he's facing a really fast, aggressive, ass-kicking front seven, it feels like they get to him a few times, a couple times, and it just feels kind of like he folds a little bit. I, I hate saying that, but you know what I mean? Like, think about, like, I'm thinking specifically about the San Francisco Sunday Nighter uh, thanks to the first game against the Niners last year. It felt like before the half it even ended, Rodgers was completely and totally rattled, seeing ghosts, whatever term you want to use. Spooked. It felt like that today, too, you know? After that second pick, they, you know, and they were really starting to kind of lay into him. It just felt like he just folded. He just wasn't the same guy, you know? Looking, like I, like I mentioned a little while ago, it, he was locked. It was bad. It was the Rodgers, the bad Rodgers from last year, looking to Adams too much, locking in on Adams too much. Not trusting anybody else. Just like, man, shit's down right now. I got to go to Devontae over and over. It's just, I don't know, you know, looking Devontae's way. How many, tar- how many targets did Devontae have? Ta- team high 10? Twice as much as anybody else? Scantling with five. Aaron Jones with five. You know, just not spreading the ball around, doing all those positive things that he had done the first four games of the season. So that was, you know, that was not good. That was, again, very reminiscent of last year. And I'll tell you what, for all the people who were saying they, they're lacking weapons on offense, I think you got one today. I think this one, this was a win for you today. <laughs> the they, they have all the weapons they need crowd was very quiet today, weren't they? Um, Just... You know, it it definitely felt like their weapons were made very were made to look very average. Scantling didn't do anything. Jones, I mean, Jones is great. Jones, ten carries for fifteen yards, three catches for twenty six yards. He didn't do anything. You know, Tanyan, who looked so good against the the night uh, uh the Niners Atlanta on Monday night before the bye, and was really looked like he was coming on strong. Three catches for twenty five yards. He left for a while with an injury too, but came back. It looked, if you're on the, if you're still on the, they need more weapons bandwagon. I mean, today definitely, again, it was a win. It was a win for you. They just, you know, they got punched in the mouth by a fast physical defense and Rogers just didn't seem like there was anybody else he wanted to go to. And maybe if he had more talented players, maybe he would have been willing to spread the ball around a little bit or guys could have got open a little better. I don't know. Rodgers reverted to holding on to the ball too long today, too, which was, was which was disappointing to see. But, you know, it's just, it's just not good. Nothing good from the offense in this one, I don't think. And then we go to the defensive side of the ball. Again, kind of talking about, going back to the opening where I said it feels like more than one loss. This Packers team lost a lot of games. Not lost a lot. Lost a, didn't lose a lot of games. But when they lost last year or when they struggled, 
it was usually because their defensive front got shoved around. They got bullied. Today, there was more of that. You know, Tampa Bay, as the game went on, was really exerting their will on the on the Green Bay front seven. Just kind of punishing them as the game went on. Jones was really racking up the yards. The defense kind of appeared to quit once they got into that third quarter, which was disappointing to see, to uh, say the least. But yeah, just bad, you know. They just got bullied. Again, that was the formula for how to beat Green Bay last year. It still feels like the formula this year. That's scheme, but it's also they don't have, I still don't think they have enough talent up front. And that's especially true when Tyler Lancaster goes out with a shoulder injury. It didn't return, you know? You got Kenny Clark. And that's about it. Kenny Clark playing with these guys up front would be like taking fucking Eddie Van Halen, may he rest in peace, and putting him with like a high school, a band of high school kids who just learned how to play their instruments. Like, what the hell am I supposed to do with these guys? <laughs> I can't shine with these guys. You know? Even Kenny can't save that group. They just, they get bullied up front. What does this defense do? I was dying laughing at Zach Cruz. Uh, the fine writer for the Packer Wire tweeting earlier tonight about what does this defense do well? Not much. Not much, Zach. You know? They got shoved around. That was a concern going into the season. That hurt them last year. And you know what else? The depth at corner. If you've been listening to the show, you know I've said since I was doing the State of the Pack series back in the spring, like depth at cornerback was a real concern. That one, two, three, when healthy, Jair, King, and Shannon Sullivan. I take that one, two, three against any one, two, three corner group in the league. But behind that was nothing. Was was really not much to write home about. You know, disappointing draft, you know, disappointing second round picks, kind of question mark mystery guys like Kadar Holman. And that, you know, King was out today with the quad injury and they, and Jackson came in and was exposed. I was worried about that. You know, it just, that was a concern. This, it's just, it was really frustrating to see. I don't know why Kadar Holman didn't get more of a look as the game went on. We know what Josh Jackson is. I hate saying it, Josh Jackson's just not good. I don't think he's ever going to be a good NFL player. He was college good. Big 10 good. Iowa good. I don't know if he'll be NFL good. I don't think he can run with NFL wide receivers. He's just not athletic enough. It's not going to happen. Quit trying to make Josh Jackson happen, Mike. It's not going to happen. So... You know, that was bad. The play calling was bad. Petten certainly didn't put them in favorable positions, did he? Why, you know, it, it, he was playing so soft against Brady. It was like he was afraid of Brady. When at this point in his career, Brady's basically a statue. you got to attack. you got to keep blitzing. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. They weren't, though. Not until it was too late. You know, it was bad. So just bad stuff all around from the defense, you know. But again, like with the offense... They struggled in the same ways they struggled last year. Same thing with the defense. Again, this is why, you see what I'm saying? This this feels like more than one loss because it it still feels like there's a template to beat this Packer team that they didn't didn't improve on that in the offseason. You know, the coaching didn't put them in a position to improve on that. The general manager didn't put them in a position to improve on that with personnel additions, upgrades. So it's frustrating, you know? Because it's going to be a minute before we we get another test like this. They get another test like this against a team like Tampa. Maybe Indianapolis, you know, later in the season. Chicago, obviously they'll play two times. Those will be kind of the next tests, really the only tests that the Packers have to face a team like they faced in Tampa. Will they be up to it? God, I hope so, but I don't know. 
you know? And Brady, look, Brady was solid. I, I swear I'm going to be so pissed if coming out of this game, the, the narrative is, well, you know, Brady really really uh, laid into his team. Was very screaming at those offensive linemen late in that Chicago game last week, and they really, they really, he lit a fire under their ass, and they needed, he read them the riot act, and they responded. Brady had very little to do with what happened today. You know, I, I thought, you know, he was what, 17 to 27, buck 66, two scores. He made a few nice throws. I didn't think he did anything that really wowed me, but, you know, he's still, he can still play a little bit. Definitely outplayed Rodgers. The other one with Rodgers, and I want to, I've, I don't want to forget this, that late in the first half, when he missed Scantling, that was another uncharacteristically, another uncharacteristic moment for Aaron Rodgers. He was under pressure on the play, so I'll I'll give him that, but he had, he had MVS, MVS had two steps on the DB, just didn't throw it far enough, didn't have enough time, but still didn't throw it far enough. Again, how many times does Rodgers get that to MVS and he waltzes in for the score? I was laughing at Troy Aikman who, again, I think does not like the Green Bay Packers, uh, saying, oh, just great coverage. No, it wasn't. MBS was two steps behind the guy. Rodgers just didn't make a good throw. It's just another uncharacteristic moment for Rodgers. I wanted to mention, I didn't want to forget that. So, you know, it just, you know, it was very, also it was very reminiscent. Do you remember in 2015? So they had the, what was it, 5-0, and 6-0 and start. They go into the bye. Everybody's feeling good. They come out of the bye. Uh, Sunday night game at Denver. Broncos have Peyton Manning. I think Manning was in, what, year two in Denver? So still fairly new to Denver, to being a Bronco. They had that really good defense. Packers went in there feeling good about themselves and just got their asses kicked. It was, what, 29 to 10? And I was like, holy shit. I It's funny, I said on the last episode of the show, I said, boy, they're heading to Tampa. Kind of feels a little bit, you know, coming out of the bye, it feels a little bit like that Bronco game in 2015. Hopefully it'll be a better result. <laughs> well, it sure as hell wasn't, was it? It was almost the same. It was like the same game, you know? And, and the way that Manning looked so washed up that year, the Packers' defense made him look great. Brady, you know, has heard similar calls of being washed up, and certainly Gronk has. And the Packers' defense made them look like they made Manning look five years ago. Just like they made him look like all pros. Like if all you watched, well, I don't know so much Brady, but Gronkowski looked like an all pro. He looked like the world destroyer of old, which I know he's not anymore. That shows you how bad this defense is. I'm just kind of rambling at this point. I just, I, I've been, I was thinking about that game a lot today. Cause I said, I really hope in the last episode, I said, I hope it's not like that. And it was, so it's my fault. I jinxed it. Sorry. So 26 minutes in now, big picture time. Does this loss knock some of the shine off of Green Bay's good start. Yeah, I think a little bit. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I don't I, I don't want this to come out. I, I hope you're not listening and thinking that I'm totally doom and gloom or anything because I still think, I mean, I said in the, the show, the preseason prediction show that I thought this was going to be a loss for the Packers, and it was. So I'm not totally surprised they lost today. And I still think they're going to be a really good team. Could be a really, really special team. But it does knock some of the shine off the start, yeah. I think maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves. You know, Minnesota, as talked about earlier, is not very good. Atlanta's not very good. The Saints, I think, are decent. But Detroit, I don't think, is very good. I mean, one good win out of four. You know, I think maybe we got a little bit of a, a little bit ahead of ourselves, for sure. I know I did. And I think this loss does knock some of the shine off. 
as again, as I've stated earlier, again, kind of the mission statement here, there's still a very clear template to beat this team. That this still looks like a team that can be bullied. You know? The Packers came out, threw a punch, Tampa counterpunched, and Green Bay had nothing. Tampa counterpunched and said, all right, what do you got? And the Packers went, not much. <laughs> right? Not much. They just kind of folded. And if you had questions maybe about this team's mental toughness a little bit after last season, you thought, oh, maybe this is a different team. I think today brings some of those questions back up. You know, how how can they, can they respond after they get punched in the face? Because they didn't today. That The jury is still very much out on that. Again, I'm not saying, like, season's over or any of that shit. Again, I'm just saying it doesn't feel like, you know, I heard a lot of, saw a lot of people on Twitter going, well, on Facebook going, well, you know, it's a clunker. Hey, everybody's got clunkers, right? Well, yeah, but if your clunkers are the same this year as they were last year, then again, it, it shows that you haven't really improved in the areas that you needed to. I still don't know if the Packers have. So it's frustrating, yeah. Uh, again, I think they, I think the Packers can still be okay, but it'll be. I'm very. I'm already looking forward to that Colts game and those two Bears games because those are going to be the big tests. Again, those are going to be the big tests to see how the Packers, how they've, you know, how they've grown and and have they become more able to handle a team like that, a defense like that. We'll see. All right, so I told people to submit some questions on Twitter, and thankfully people did. I'm going to get to those now. These are in no particular order. What the hell did I just click on? These are in no particular order. Okay, from Andrew. At Andrew underscore Savvy. S-A-V-E. Savvy? I don't know how you say that. I know you went to Minnesota, though, so apologies if I screw that up, my fellow gopher. I think if people want to fire pet, and that is fine. I agree. But I also want to hear who you want to hire, because that is relevant. Yeah. I mean, I think it's early in the season. You know, we're only six weeks in. It's kind of hard to say as far as potential replacements, although I do think you make you make a valid point that the Packers will still have to find somebody, although I think that they'll, they won't have any trouble finding. You know, I don't think there'll be any shortage of talented defensive minds who will want to come to Green Bay and work with this team. So, All right, next question is from Justin Cornwell, at Justin A. Cornwell. I'm going to call you a friend of the show, Justin, because you submit a question almost every time. And again, I appreciate that. I am a Lafleur fan, but the way the play calling has gone in games like today and the 49ers and the Chargers games last year is concerning. It's not just that they lose those games. It's that when things started going wrong, everything fell apart offensively in very similar ways. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, that's like I said, that's kind of been the theme of the show here tonight is that these losses feel there's a common theme there's a thread that runs through all these losses and it does feel like you know the offense I mean where was the motion stuff tonight I know Tyler Irvin was out with the wrist injury but there couldn't be anybody that could fill in that role I mean I know he's a unique talent but nobody that could even kind of mimic that it just felt like yeah I mean like you said like as soon as the the thing started unraveling. It's just like everything fell to shit. The offense couldn't block anymore and receivers couldn't get open. And Rodgers was hanging onto the ball too long and every, all the bad things we saw last year. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, it's something they've got to fix. They've got to learn to handle adversity better, right? Adversity footballs and what Belichick calls it. They've got to, they've got to get better at handling that. 
you know, it's still definitely an issue. Next question comes from Philip Voss, question or comment, whatever, from Philip Voss at P underscore Voss, two-parter. He's got to go. He's talking about Petten. A lot of these are about Petten, by the way, <laughs> if, you, if you didn't notice. He's got to go. This defense has five first-round picks, three to four second-round picks, three high-priced free agents. It has had so many resources dumped into it, yet they remain terrible. They play soft zones and three-man rushes against the statue of a QB who turtles at the faintest pressure. They cannot afford to wait on him to figure it out for three more years like Capers. Well, I don't think you'll have to worry about that, Philip. I think if this thing goes shithouse again this year because of the defense, uh, he'll be out on his ass. There's no question about that. You know, I've said this, I said this again on Twitter tonight before I started recording, and I've said this a couple times on the show, so bear with me. I really believe LaFleur wanted to fire him last year. Go back and look at the quotes, or if you can, watch or listen to LaFleur's presser a few days after the NFC Championship game. I think it was three or four days after. Listen to how he talks about Pettin. He talks about him like in almost in the past tense. I remember following along with the presser on Twitter, and myself and everybody else was like, oh my God, he's gone. He's going to get fired. Jesus, listen to LaFleur. It sounds like he's getting ready to send him to the executioner. And then all of a sudden, like three hours later, it was like, Mike Pettin will be back in 2020 as defensive coordinator. I think LaFleur wanted to fire him. And I think he got leaned on by either Gutekunst or Murphy. I tend to think it was probably Murphy. That for whatever reason, went to LaFleur and said, no, 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 he's gonna, we're going to keep him for one more year. Because that's Murphy's thing. Murphy's the one who's in charge of hiring and firing. I don't think LaFleur even has that ability yet as head coach. I think that's on Murphy. But I think Murphy leaned on him to keep him and said, no, no, he's going to stay. Why? I have no idea. But I think that's what happened for sure. Um, but yeah, as far as your um, your the main part of your comment, yeah, I mean, a lot of resources, you're right, they're not good. It's not good. The soft zones. They gave Brady way too much respect. I know it's Tom Brady, but like, this is like 49-year-old Tom Brady. This is 56-year-old Tom Brady. Get after his ass. That's what the Bears were doing. Get after. I know we don't have the talent that they have, but get after his ass. We do. I play for the team. Um, go after Brady. You know, because he doesn't want to get hit. So yeah, I didn't like the game plan. The execution was terrible, but so was the game plan. Definitely didn't put his guys in a position to uh, be successful. All right. The next question comes from Elijah Price at David Dunn twenty one. Ah, Chris Middleton super fan. All right. Chris Middleton's number one fan, folks. I'm just kidding. I'm really, if you follow him on Twitter, you know I'm really just kidding. Is there a comparable sports situation to Rodgers doing a Key and Peele reenactment and then throwing a pick six and not scoring again? I didn't know what that was. I was just like, what is with the weird groin thrusts? I was like, is he doing a ravishing Rick Rude thing? For those of you who are WWE or WWF fans from the late 80s, early 90s. I was like, is he doing a Rick Rude thing? I didn't know what the hell he was doing. But I was like, Aaron, I love you. You've done a lot of good things for this franchise. I'm just going to forget that. I'm just going to pretend that never happened. And people were like, dude, it's Key and Peele. Which I watch that show a little bit, but I don't, I'm not like a Key and Peele super fan or anything. So I didn't know that that was what that was. But yeah, it was pretty funny. It was funny, first of all, that that didn't even end up being a touchdown. Right? They called him down at the one and then Aaron Jones got, got in on the next play. But uh, is there a comparable sports situation? You know, it made me think of like Bill Grammatica a little bit. 
If you remember Bill Gramatica, his kick, his brother Martin Gramatica was a kicker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, among other teams. Bill was a kicker for the Arizona Cardinals. Infamous NFL moment, if you don't know, look it up. He kicks a field goal against, I think it was the New York Giants, in old Giants Stadium, and he's like jumping up to celebrate, and he came down and landed and blew his knee out. And I don't know if he ever kicked again after that. And that was infamous. And then uh, was DeAndre Levy? Was that the linebacker for the Lions who blew his knee out after he sacked Rodgers and he was celebrating? He was doing the belt and he like jumped and came down. Didn't he blow his knee out or blow out his Achilles? Kind of reminded me of that. Obviously not as severe, but kind of that like premature celebration thing. Yeah. I hope that answers your question. That's what it reminded me of anyways. And then I did have one more question I wanted to get to here from, hang on, I got to find it. From Ian at Ian Coppins, who says, when we've lost under LeFleur, it's been ugly. Have not been able to change momentum during games. What does this come down to? Defense can't force stops? Inconsistency in run game? Lack of explosiveness at pass catcher? Uh, yes. <laughs> to answer your question, Ian, yes. Yes to all of those. Yeah, you're right. It has been ugly. Like I said, man, when this team loses... There's no, you know, McCarthy, there were so many heartbreakers under McCarthy. You know, last second losses, ripping your heart out of your ass losses. Just, oh, just left you devastated. LaFleur's losses are easier to handle because they're just ass kickings. They just get creamed. They get pounded. They get whooped. By the fourth quarter, you're like, well, <laughs> you know, by the third quarter, you're like, well, this one's over. I had, I'm not going to lie, I had the outline for the show written. It was mostly written by the time the game was over. So, from a podcasting standpoint, the blowout losses, there's at least that benefit. But yeah, you're right. They just get, they're ugly. Um, They can't change momentum. I talked about that. It's been an issue under his teams. That when they get punched in the mouth early by a physical, tough, kind of bullying opponent, they don't respond very well. It's it's an issue, and they've got to fix it. Somehow they've got to fix that. Uh, Yeah, the defense can't come up with stops when they need it. I mean... They had Brady in several third downs in that second quarter and just couldn't get stops. Couldn't force field goals. Could have been a totally different game. Uh, Inconsistency in run game. Yeah, that was an issue. I mean, they run the ball well, but they're never going to be like a great, great run team with this offensive line because these are more pass-blocking offensive linemen. They're never going to be a great, great dominant dominant run team, I don't think. And then lack lack of explosiveness at pass catcher. Yeah, I talked about that. That... You know, the they sure all the people who were like they don't need any more weapons. They were quiet today, weren't they? That's why I said a few weeks ago on the show, a couple weeks back, I think it was. I said I hope that this group of receivers works all year. Hell, let's hope they do. They had been up to. I think I said it after the Saints game. I said Packers are three and zero. This group of receivers is working. I hope it does all year. But I said it then. It was too early to be thumping your chests and saying, "See, they didn't need to make any additions." Because I said there could be a game like this, and there was today, and this was that. It sure looked like they don't have enough weapons today, yes. So, gotta let this stuff play out. Everybody's so quick to dig in and go, this is what it is. Let's just wait and see. I kept saying that with the receivers, and now you see why. Okay, so thank you to everybody who sent along a question. I know it's not always as fun sending a question after they get their asses kicked, so I do appreciate that. We look ahead now. To next week, the Packers head down to Houston, Texas. Yeehaw! 
That was terrible. I'd apologize immediately for that. They head down to Houston, Texas to face the Houston Texans. A noon start on the road at, I believe it's still Reliance Stadium. Texans 1-4. and four. <laughs> Just recently fired Bill O'Brien as head coach. Was he general manager too, I think? Certainly as head coach. Romeo Cornell, longtime defensive coach, takes over as the interim head coach. Never forgiven Romeo Cornell for his Kansas City Chiefs ruining the Packers shot at an undefeated season in 2011. I'll never forgive Cornell for that. You ruined it, Romeo. But he's taken over there. They lost to Harper. Didn't they lose lose an overtime today? Didn't they lose? They blew it like right at the end and lost to Tennessee at the end. Yeah, and they lost in overtime. So they're one and four. So that'll be an interesting test. See if the Packers can get back on the right track after today. And of course, I'll be back next Sunday night to recap that one win, lose, or draw. So until next time, I am Chris Lampasis. This has been Lem's Talk and Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go Pack Go.